On this episode of the Austin Spotlight, I'm joined by Wendy Elder, real estate advisor with Compass Real Estate. Wendy and I answer some of your most pressing questions about the Austin housing market. I hope you enjoyed the episode and love it if you subscribe to the podcast. So uh, today I'm joined by Wendy Elder uh, of Compass Real Estate and Wendy Elder Homes. Uh, how's it going today? It's awesome. I'm doing great. How, how are you doing? Things are good. Busy, always stuff to get done. While I think about that, let me put my phone on vibrate because I know that I will eventually get a couple of texts about some stuff that's going on. So there, that's uh, oh, yeah. that'll that, that'll keep it. Always option keep... period expiring yeah. and all this kind of stuff. I have one expiring today. I have one expiring today at five o'clock. And I think we're, you know, right now we're, you know, it's always amazing. We're like, you know, a couple hundred dollars off. You're like, you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like we're not going to get tied up over five, over 500, but. uh, Put it it in perspective, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, why don't you, I'd love for you to kind of give us a a little bit about your background kind of origin story. I know you a little bit, but yeah, why don't you kind of tell us, about sure. um, kind of your background, how you got to Austin. Most people have, you know, some interesting stories in that regard, since it seems like there's very few people who are native Austinites. Well, actually, you may even not know this, Troy, but I was actually born here in Austin. Um, okay. I grew up in Dallas, and actually, my journey with real estate started uh, in college. I wanted to be in real estate since I was 18, and so I actually got my license. Uh, when I was 18 in college. So real estate is all I've ever done. I've done a lot of different things within real estate, but I did get my license at the University of North Texas uh, in Denton up north and then started my career as soon as I graduated there, came to Austin and got into commercial real estate. So that was kind of my my first uh, dip my toes in the water. So I actually did that for nine and a half years. And then the the majority of, of my life, uh, I've been in residential, but I started in commercial, which I think actually is a very, well, first of all, you don't really ever hear anybody having a college degree in real estate. So that's kind of weird, but I do. It's real estate in Spanish of all things. Nice so I lo- yeah, I um, love that, that culture. And um, so I, I've lost a lot of it over the years, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, yeah, if you if you don't use it, you lose it. I, my, you my, lose the, it, yes. The majority, the the uh, my Spanish knowledge is two years in high school in a small town in Minnesota where it was never spoken outside of class. So like it was in one ear out the other from that standpoint. So yeah, so I do commercial real estate, and then um, my husband's a builder, so I sell. You know, about a third of my business is his um, his new construction houses. And then the remaining part of my business is, is resales, you know, and new construction for, for buyers. That's really cool. So it's extremely <laughs> rare, I think. I mean, right. So for someone to get their license at 18, knowing that's what they want to do, yeah. and then also go to college, but also just for someone to know what they want to do at age 18 is also I know, kind, so kind, crazy, kind, right? kind of rare. How, what, like before, like, so when you're in high school or even middle school or whatever, what kind of drew you to wanting to be in real estate? So my aunt was in commercial real estate. And so in the summers, I, you know, I just admired her and looked up to her. And um, so the summer before I graduated, I said, hey, you know, we were doing all those. What are you going to do when you grow up? You know, when you're in college and um, her 
you know, line of work in her industry just really interested me. And so she said, well, why don't you come for a summer and just shadow me uh, and see if you like it. And so that was the summer before I graduated. And right after that is when I got my um, license in college. So yeah, nice. that's how I got started. And which is very different, right? Commercial and residential are two. Oh yeah. They're two different ballgames, but I feel like um, having done both, I have some, you know, strengths I can, I can bring to the residential. There's, there's definitely, like I say, getting into one definitely makes it much easier to get into the other, right? There's, there is yeah. a lot of overlap, but they also are extremely different. It, I, it's kind of like being a doctor, how you specialize a lot of times and want, you know, someone who specializes in feet doesn't know, doesn't, you wouldn't have them work on, you know, your teeth or something, you know, however that right. goes, right? So like you have a separate <laughs> dentist versus a podiatrist, those kind of things. And so um, not that I can quite compare real estate agents to doctors, but uh, but they are they are very different, but there's still a lot of, of things that can, that are helpful in overlapping. Again, with my experience, same thing with being in the mortgage side of things has been extremely helpful yeah. in being a real estate agent. However, they are two very different components uh, that way well, too. And so there's a lot to, to learn. And, you know, going back to that, Troy, which you said, I actually use the doctor analogy a lot to people because, you know, like a doctor, you'll go get a second opinion. And I always tell my clients like, Hey, you know, it's good to get a second opinion. We have, we ha we're a team and this has to work if you're going to choose me. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, just like doctors, they can read and analyze data completely different than the next person. So I always encourage people to talk to multiple, multiple agents when they're, when they're looking for someone, it is a huge, it's a, a huge asset that they're putting all these dollars, you know, in our hands to either make the most of or go save me money. Right. No, no. I mean, it's, and we, we live in a world where there's, we get, we get so much information at our fingertips on online, whether, you know, so yeah. whether you're buying a pair of tennis shoes or, or whatever. And, and but buying a house, as you say, is such a huge expense. One and is something most people do relatively infrequently. I mean, even if you're doing it every five mm -hmm. to seven years, That's right. you know, you talked about your Spanish. You don't do your Spanish for five to seven years, and you forgot yeah. <laughs> huge chunks of it. And so exactly if you right. bought if you bought or sold a home five or seven years ago, there's a lot of stuff you've forgotten. And so you know, again, like any professional. Um, you know, having a good solid relationship with that person is super important because you, yeah. you want to make sure you trust them and are comfortable with them. And there are thousands and thousands of people every year that are buying and selling homes in Austin that I should not help because we would not be a good fit. And right. Exactly. But, there's, exactly. But, there, but there's still plenty of people that we would be good fits for. Right. And those are the people that we love helping and, and love working with. Yeah. Agreed. Totally agreed. Yeah. So with, um, so you said you made the change over what what prompted you to want to change over from commercial into residential? So my husband started building homes and uh, he actually started building homes when I was still doing commercial and he had a residential agent helping him because like we said, it's not, you know, uh, it's not apples to apples. So um, and then after that, uh, I just decided if he if this was going to be like a long term career for him then um, I probably needed to go to that side so that I could, you know, help, help our family yeah. <laughs> sell those. Yeah. Right. That's just kind of a natural. And then I stayed at home for a couple of years with my kids, which was amazing. It's 
to the best years of my life. So I did that before I jumped back into real estate. Nice. I mean, sorry, back into residential. residential. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and obviously with your husband um, doing, you know, the Chris Elder homes building side of things, yeah. you know, that's something that I get asked a lot too. And, um, and with you having your experience, is this probably the craziest new construction market you've seen in your time doing Absolutely. We, um, I was actually, uh, my husband and I went out to a job site yesterday and he took a phone call in the car um, one of the trades that he's used forever, you know, and he, the conversation was so weird because the, he said, you know, I don't know who my rep is anymore. And the guy who's the field guy didn't know who our rep was anymore. And, and, and mind you, we, we've done business with these people, you know, for years. And the guy said, I don't know who your rep is. Um, and, but, but we're at their mercy. You know, as contractors, we're at their mercy because they're so overloaded um, that that, you know, we just we just kind of I mean, they're, they're struggling and hence we're struggling and we get delays, too, on our end, you know, so. Yeah, well, that and again, I, we've had other this has obviously been the most unique market that I've been a part of in the decade that I've been kind of doing real estate and. But in the past, we've had other times where on the resale side of things, it's been super busy, super competitive, but you almost always had the opportunity after you had a buyer that got frustrated with, you know, two or three multiple offers they didn't get, that then they could go to the production builders and find some existing yeah. inventory that they could be like, okay, hey, we can get this home that's going to be finished in four months, six months, whatever it is. And the fact that that the, the production builder side of things is busier and crazier than even the resale side of things is just been um, eye-opening. Yeah. When the builders say every builder has a list of 300 uh, buyers and they're not taking any, any more on their list, you know, now what I find, what I have seen is some of those buyers, obviously there's buyer fatigue out there. And some of those buyers are like, we're not doing this right now. You know, we just, we've made five offers. It, it, it's not in the cards, right? It's not meant to be. So I feel like we've seen some buyer fatigue in the market. And then also, um, you know, for example, there was a house in Provence that I sold right before the pandemic, or maybe it was, they moved in during pandemic. Anyway, same exact floor plan. We closed it at 475. They just came back we just got the builder email that you can bid on it and that same exact house is 725 so you know i sent it immediately sent it to my client and i was like oh my gosh look at this you know crazy timing right but what i from and i don't know none of us have a crystal ball but what i am curious in the future to, to see is will the buyer pay 725 for that same house or are they going to wait so that's that's kind of like each neighborhood is a, its own micro market, I would say, um, because once you get three good comps in one neighborhood, that essentially raises the price, right? If you have three closings, that raises the price for that neighborhood. Um, so when that fourth house list at that new above price, is it going to still sustain that price or are we going to have a dip? So I think, you know, that's what we don't know. Right. And that's, right. I feel like that's where you get an experienced agent to look at really be out there working with buyers and sellers to know what's happening on both sides of the transaction. Um, 
and then just you know just to to talk to other agents and have good communication with with other agents in the market i think it's really valuable to the client it, it is I, I one thing i do in, in clients that have bought in new home communities too i i will say one of the things i see is they'll see that brand new home right that's going up for sale now for 725 and think their home would get the exact same price which mm -hmm. it might get close to that in this market because there's so few homes but usually your home that you bought a year ago is going to be a little bit less because similar to cars right there's just that mindset of like oh i can get a brand new home versus a year old home that someone's lived in and people are usually willing to pay a little bit more for the brand new home. But again, to go from seven, from 475, even if it's only up to 675 is an amazing appreciation um, for a client and something that I know you, you feel um, a lot of pride you're able to help them um, yeah. buy when they did. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, none of us could predict it, but yet no. I'm like, you know, yes, yeah. we did it. We timed yes. it right. Yeah. <laughs> so on that same note, I'm sure you get asked the question a lot, and I do too, um, is do you, is that Austin housing market in a, in a bubble? And again, while neither of us have a crystal ball, what are your kind of thoughts and feelings um, when you get that question? Yeah, you know, um, gosh, I... I there's nothing that points in our industry that tells us it's in a bubble. We have low inventory and we have an increased amount of buyers. Even if we didn't have the number of buyers that we have had this last year, we still would have enough to um, soak up the inventory that we have. So we actually doubled in inventory from, I think it's February to now, we've doubled in inventory. And so what that's done is, um, you know, instead of when you have a buyer and you go look at a house in the hills and you're sitting and you're the 10th car in the cul-de-sac <laughs> to look at that house, you are actually able to schedule a showing um, like normal and you might see the buyer, other buyer coming out, but it's not, you know, they're not, there's not 10 cars sitting in the cul-de-sac so that's what that a little bit more of a cushion of inventory has done which quite honestly i mean that's that it's easier for buyers and sellers it's, you know it was a tough tough market for a couple months oh no it was it was <laughs> ridiculously crazy i know one of the things that i mentioned with that too is i think a lot of people remember like you always kind of remember the last situation and so for us the last situation of a potential bubble was 06 07 08 with the housing crisis and mm -hmm. and the factors that led to that are not the same factors that we see today one inventory levels are still super low mm -hmm. um, but then two um one of the big reasons we had those issues that issue 12 years ago 13 years ago was that it was way too easy for people to get money to buy a house with 100% financing. And then when home prices dropped a little bit, they were underwater where in my in my experience and what the national data says, I'm sure you're seeing a lot of the same things too. Mo a lot, most homeowners today are putting a lot more cash into their home. There's a lot of people buying all cash into their yeah. home. So even if the market dropped 5%, almost all the home buyers that have bought over the last year would still be net positive by a lot in their homes. And so there's no reason that they would go into foreclosure, which is what kind of caused that cascading effect back, back then. And so, you know, again, I don't even, I don't really even think that prices are going to drop five or 10% personally, mm -hmm. but even if they did, it wouldn't cause that cascading effect that led to drastic home prices 
being reduced because of all the foreclosures. Yeah, and I agree with that. Um, I uh, there's I saw a statistic the other day. It was either twenty or thirty years, but like, like in Austin, if you look at like our appreciation long term. I think there's only been a couple years that we've only been a plus one. You know, we we you know plus one percent or something. So I mean, and a lot's happened in thirty years, right? So um, I I think. So, so, the, so the the big answer is I don't think I don't think that we're in a bubble. We still have so many companies wanting to move here. I think it's definitely going to push, uh, you know, the Huddos and the Butas and the Lanos and stuff like that. I think people are going to go more towards those outskirts for affordability reasons. And you know, I mean, that's a lot of the companies that are coming here. They're going to have to have lower cost of housing. Um, so where does that normally, where they normally go is on, on the, a little bit on the outskirts of the suburbs. So, um, so yeah, I just think, and we've got land, you know, Austin is unique. We have land that we're not, you know, we can go up 35, we can go out, out, um, west and east and down I-35 corridor, which we're seeing uh, in some other, like New York, like some other places, um, they can't do that because they have water boundaries or they have, uh, you know, different things, but, but Austin can. So. Yeah. It's, it's how um, I kind of, kind of compare absorb some of that. No, I, I agree. It's how I kind of compare Westlake and central Austin a little bit to San Francisco. Like there's not part of why Westlake's so expensive is there's not, there's limited building growth opportunities there. Absolutely. And so that gets really expensive, but Austin as a whole, right. You know, Georgetown, when I first moved here, Georgetown was, a city kind of up there and now it's one of just part of the the city you never feel like you've left the city the entire and time that you're driving up thriving downtown with live yeah. music and yeah i totally yeah. agree yeah very much so on that on that same front um one of the things that i get asked uh, occasionally from people looking to sell is like how long should you expect it to take your home to sell um mm -hmm. in that vein basically kind of can i can I offer, can I list my home for anything and get it to sell? Um, yeah. What are your kind of thoughts on list price and how that impacts um, so, getting your offer sold? So like I said earlier, I mean, you know, when I go meet with a client, I, um, I, I, I kind of nerd out on, on numbers. I love numbers. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I look at so many different scenarios when I'm trying to determine a price. I kind of put myself in the buyer's shoes. So I think it, I mean, it totally depends right on your neighborhood because one neighborhood could be selling in, you know, less than five days. And then another neighborhood could, could be a 30 day, um, you know, average could be 30 days. But what I think is important about when you're analyzing that is um, you right now, like we used to, when we used to do numbers, we'd do a 90 day spread, right? 90 to look because that's what appraisers use is a 90 day. But right now with the market changing so rapidly, I only use a 30 day and that's just my, my preference, but I use a 30 day um, because I feel like that gives us a little bit more um, insight into, you know, 90 days ago, the, the inventory was a lot lower. And so you can also see the trend. So um, when you're educating your client about how, what price and how long you you think it's going to take to sell all of those factors come into play um and i personally do it on that 30 day um you know 30 day window so no yeah so it's hard to say exactly on, on sure, how many no. days but but um you know, I, 
my my strategy has always been I don't care what market we've been in if if your house uh, has been listed longer than 30 days then I haven't been doing something right because I I communicate throughout the process if we need to make any adjustments so no I I agree totally like that we've had to truncate how far back we go because data from 90 days ago is not near as accurate as the as stuff in the last 30 days um but I also have I feel like I've started to see because early in the year stuff was going for 10 to 20 percent over list price because we weren't expecting such craziness yeah. that we are occasionally now seeing people still list their home for that expecting 10 to 20 percent even where stuff is now and those homes are staying on the market these days that's so you're right seeing the, that's you're seeing the occasional saying. home yeah uh-huh that's what i was saying like okay is that buyer is that neighbor can, neighborhood going to bear that price that all these buyers have pushed it up to and i think people in the if they're listening to media or whatever you know media's behind right that they, they're behind so what our clients sometimes hear from the media is not exactly what's going on in the market today and so i think that's why it's super important to hire a professional that's in the market constantly um and you know 24 7 in the market but um I, that that is what I'm super interested in each neighborhood to find out, okay, what is that? What is the buyer willing to pay for that in, in, in all of these different neighborhoods, you know, are they willing to go up that high? Um, when, when they do have other options now, you know, when yeah. there are the options. So. It, it's also why well, I believe it's still very important to try to list the home price appropriately because if you again if you list high we're seeing we are seeing now that in most neighborhoods buyers will be like no that's too much but yeah. if you list it appropriately or even maybe a hair under you still will see multiple offers in that first weekend which then drive that price up and again in, in most cases potentially get you more than if you list high and have to come down plus the other thing i like to tell sellers is when you have someone, when you've been in that multiple offer situation and people are bidding up, that buyer knows that they kind of can't try to nickel and dime you going forward because yep. there were all these other people that wanted the home that you can kind of fall back on. Where if you list high and then someone negotiates you down, you're more likely to have them continue to negotiate you down on the inspection on this, on that, because they like, oh, well, this home was on the market for 30 days. I have more negotiating power. And so that's one of the things that I've, you know, even though we want to get as much value for the home as possible, mm -hmm. like we still need to list it at that appropriate price to really maximize a homeowner's value. Absolutely. I completely 100% agree. And sometimes it's hard to get people to understand that <laughs> uh, <laughs> because, but it's like, you know, look at these statistics, look at all of the, look at what happened here, you know? Um, and then obviously it comes down to trusting the agents that they know what they're doing. <laughs> right. Yeah. So on that same front about home price, uh, so what do you do when a client asks you, is my Zillow estimate correct? Because I feel like there's a lot of people that mm -hmm. when they're seeing that price, that's kind of where they're going. Zillow is obviously the most popular home search site or they're maybe yep. finding it from someplace else. So what what is your um, well, my feedback first, on that? Yeah, my first reaction to that question is always that Zillow is for entertainment purposes only. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a great site. It is. I mean, I, you know, but um, Zillow, you know, they use algorithms that cannot determine. They don't determine views. They don't determine 
demand. It doesn't determine, you know, yes, you could be on the same street, but you could have, you know, an, an eyesore in, in the backyard when the house across the street has this amazing lake view and they'll price those two houses the same. So, um, but the algorithm doesn't, can't pick that up. Uh, I had a client call me and she said, I just got this estimate for my house. And if it's right, I want to sell. And so, of course, I looked it up and, and she was, it was not. And I said, unfortunately, no, it's not. She said, well, I didn't think so, you know. But, um, I mean, obviously, sometimes it is pretty accurate. But it, but, but it, it can't, a computer cannot um, determine certain things just with numbers and algorithms. You have to have that human element and the, the experience of the agent out there pounding the pavement every day, yeah. working with buyers and sellers. So. Well, the, 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 there, I find that they're the generally the most accurate if it's a neighborhood that has a lot of very, very similar homes, right? Cause then it has, it Correct. has more, more data to use. But the other thing that um, people don't realize in a lot of cases is Texas is a non-disclosure state. So yes. even Zillow doesn't necessarily have all the actual sold prices. They're going off of list prices and a number of other things. And so it's, it's unlikely um, that it's truly going to be accurate. Uh, and the best example that I have is there's a home near where I live um, close to River Place that because of the way that River Place was built, the home actually has kind of two addresses. I mean, it has one made address, but it started as a, as a different address and switched to another. And Zillow has it listed under both addresses. And in one of those estimates, its market value is 1.2 million and the other it's like 1.5 million. And it's the Ooh. same house. So Ooh, if you want an example- That's a really good example. Example, yeah, I'll, I'll get that to you. But like, if you want proof that Zillow obviously, you know, isn't able to do it 100% correct, like the exact same house they have listed differently just because of- uh, their logarithm. So, yeah, that's and and I always tell people do not ever tell anybody. Nobody, you know, don't ever tell anybody how much you paid for your house. It's none of their business. It is we are a non-disclosure state for a reason. And you know, you get these things in the mail after you close. Put your property value. You do not have to do that. And so I always warn my sell or my buyers that they're going to be bombarded with some uh, information. And yeah, they'll screenshot me something and say. Do I need to fill this out? I'm like, no, it's no. a scam, and you don't have to pay sixty nine dollars either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, you know. Um, so. The other, so the other overarching thing about our conversation right here that hopefully will get across to at least one person that listens to this is real. As real estate agents, we're more than happy to tell you you shouldn't buy or sell a home. Like yeah. they, you know, you know, because of it's a sales type of job and stuff, a lot of people think, oh, well, they're just trying to make a commission. And don't get me wrong, I like to make commissions. It's how I make yeah. a living. But we're really happy to say, no, that's not accurate. That's not in your best interest. I think you should stay where you're at because you're not going to be able to get $900,000 for mm -hmm. your $700,000 home. Yeah. And I think, too, I mean, obviously people will respect you, you know, respect you when you're telling them the truth. But, um, but, I think we're all um, goal, you know, when I meet with a client, I'm sure you are too. Like, what's your goal? What do you, what do you want to get out of this? And if the goal, if we're not going to able to achieve the goal, I mean, we don't make money until we sell the house. Right. So, yeah. you know, we don't want to waste our time, your time and, and not be able to achieve the goal. So, um, 
but the other thing is, is people don't know. So, you know, our job is just to give them knowledge. And I always just say, I'll give you the knowledge. And then it's up to you to decide if this is something that you want to pursue, because let's be honest, it's not always easy going through that process buying no. and or selling or both at the same time. So, there, are, there are so many people I know who are amazing people and they still are amazing people that are unflappable who get stressed out when they have to buy oh, or sell at home. It's oh, just absolutely. It's super stressful. Yeah. I would say we're, we're counselors, you know, we're teachers, we're, we're all these different things, negotiators, you know, we're yeah. all these different, we're all these hats. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, so tell me a little bit more, um, kind of about what you guys have been doing, you and Chris with the new homes and, and how your business has been going for 2021. Yeah. So, oh gosh, it, you know, we used to, a couple of years ago, we used to list, we would, we would take buyers before it was done, before the houses were done from it, talking from the new construction side, you know, um, now we the house gets completely ready before I even list the house, and sometimes I, you know, sometimes we have a buyer prior to that. Um, but from the from the construction standpoint, uh, it's changed a lot in that regard because before we would do tons of pre marketing and get all these buyers, and now it's kind of like the secret new construction home <laughs> until it's done. <laughs> Which is, it's so odd for me being yes. a marketer and, you know, for, so that is, that's really different for 2021, but that's kind of the new construction side. Um, so we actually, we do have a fair amount of lots in, in West, out West in the Spicewood area. That's where my husband builds out that way. So um, we'll, you know, we'll be able to tackle that for probably the next five years. He's got inventory for the next, next five years or so. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, that part is changing as far as, you know, I'm really focused on sellers. That's, that is kind of where my, my love, don't get me wrong. I, you know, buyers are fine too, but most of my buyers that I work with are sellers and then they turn yeah. around and buy. So, um, I just feel like I being in the business over 20 years, um, I, I I haven't I, I'm, I was gonna say I've seen it all, but I haven't seen it all because inevitably yeah. something <laughs> comes up, and I'm like, hey, I, I haven't seen this yet. The, um, yeah, the, the the minute you say that, you just know at the day after you leave, you're gonna go walk into something like I've never seen that before. Yeah, but you know, having 25 years of experience, you, you know, you, you come up. You, you can, you can, you can handle everything, right? Like you understand how yeah. to handle the surprises that come your way. That's right. There's a surprise and chances are I've handled it before and we can walk through it and we can, we can figure it out. So I think that's probably the difference between somebody that's just, you know, just in the business or maybe your aunt or sister or brother that's going to sell your house. It that only does one or two deals a year. Um, we like to think that the transactions always go 100% smooth, but in reality, when you're dealing with emotions and lots of money and, and property, they don't. And so uh, when, when issues arise, um, being able to work through those and create win-win for buyer and seller, that's where I feel like an experienced agent has value, adds value. Yes, very, very much so. Um, for people that would want to find out more about you or get in contact with you, what are kind of the best ways to do that? Sure. 
Um, you can put my cell phone up there, the 784 number, and then windyelder.com. Uh, that's my website. And then um, you can find me also via email, but probably website or um, or my cell number is probably the, the quickest way to get in touch with me. Uh, yeah. Well, and the nice thing about the website is it's all got pretty much everything else that yep. um, every every other way to contact you from that goes. Are you most active on any specific social media, Facebook, LinkedIn? Yes. On Instagram. I'm pretty yeah. active on Instagram. I have a business account there. It's Wendy Elder Compass. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So that and then also um, on Facebook. I'm also on on Facebook for business. I try to separate business and personal. Although sometimes it um, it overlaps, but uh, yeah, and that's what, and, the other and, and that's life too, right? Like, I mean, we're yeah. when you're helping someone buy or sell a home, you know, that home, that work life thing is going to kind of overlap. Yeah, and I never want people to feel like, oh gosh, there's that, you know, there's that realtor again. I mean, I I'm here when people need me, and I can jump into gear, um, but I also know that um, you know it's a time it's time driven to whenever people need, need real estate advice. <laughs> and I'll speak for myself. I'm guessing I can probably speak for Wendy too, is as realtors, right? You may only need to buy or sell a home once every five, seven, 10, 20 years, but we love to be resources in the meantime for people that have questions. Again, questions about forms you find in the mail, questions about getting stuff repaired, about, especially if you're new to the area or having to move to a different area. Um, mm -hmm. We have resources for that too. So she's a great person to get in contact with if you need any information. I have a friend of uh, a, a client and friend that moved from South Africa and he calls me the 911. He's like, oh, call the 911. She'll have an answer for, for anything, you know? And I love it. I love that yes. part of my job. Yes. <laughs> and the 911 call. That's awesome. Well, I know you and I could uh, sit here and talk real estate all day and we'll have to do a happy hour and do that some more at some point in yeah. time. But I also know that we have some uh, some work to get back to the rest of the day. So yeah. I, I want to let you go. And I really appreciate you taking the time to jump on the call and or jump on the podcast. Thank today. you Troy, for and, having and me. Chat. This is awesome. For sure. Anytime. Thank you.